we are creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. Hey guys, it's Darian Douglas. Welcome to the second season of the Working Artist Project. In fact, if you're back after the first season, welcome home. And if you're not, let me tell you a little bit about this podcast. I sit down with some of the most influential and talented artists from multiple fields, and we discuss the challenges of constructing a successful career as an artist. You will be inspired and motivated after listening to these amazing people conquer challenges and live life on their terms. Welcome to the Working Artist Project. So I want to welcome Alicia and Daisy to the Working Artist Project. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> thank you um so i i want to start i just want to get a little background for both of you like alicia you can go first like where you're from what do you do why right. do you do it okay that's a lot not really but um so i am from the twin cities in minnesota and i am a pastry well i'm a pastry chef by trade a chef cook food lover by life and right now i've worked a number of places i've moved to new york just to pursue food and find a home place around people i love and further doing that i currently am sort of taking some time to sort of change up how i explore food and operate that in my working and creative life so about to embark on some new things cooking wise I am also from the Twin Cities. We grew up together and um, born and raised in St. Paul, living now in Minneapolis, still really close to like, you know, hashtag Twin Cities, I guess. And so my mother is, um, I don't think she would call herself an artist, but she was always painting and drawing and stuff when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just always something that, that I loved and that came natural to me. And I've always just had like a paintbrush in my hand since I can remember. And I used to always make books and make and, and write and draw and like want to express myself. And I don't know, when I decided to pursue that professionally, that was a big step for me because... Um, it wasn't something that I, th- I think that it's it's definitely not something that like you're, you know, that 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 you make a lot of money on necessarily. But I was like, this is something I that I think I'm, you know, that I'm passionate about that I wanted to do. So um, it's definitely not like my primary source of income right now, but it's something that I'm finally able to dedicate the majority of my time to, which is great. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's dope. So the two of you guys you met in. Minnesota. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at church when we were in like mm-hmm. first, second grade. Oh, man. Our dads actually went to high school together. And just by chance, we happened to be in the same mm-hmm. church because there's literally not that many black churches in Minnesota. Until the Baptists. Yep. Oh, back in the day. Shadrach. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just like that. <laughs> That's great, man. Yep. So I want to get right into this and talk about some of the challenges you guys face and have overcome as creatives and more specifically as uh, women of color or black women and also being creatives and how do you like move shit around so that you can find your space and like make it work. Mm-hmm. So um, like I, th- I think that it's really important to we were actually talking about this when you were talking about coming to New York and having a, a support system and a network and I feel the same in um, in Minneapolis of a really, really dope community out there. Um, and a lot of it is people that I met in college, but I would say most of them are people that I met after. Um, that um, I think it's it's just important to be meeting and, and conversing and connecting with like other people, other um, black people, other creative people. Um, so, uh, I, we, yeah, I mean, I would just say that for me, like where I've been able to have the most joy, the most um, feeling of success in terms of like making something that I love and that I feel good about, it's been um, in conjunction with other people and how it relates to the people near me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think agreeing with that was um, a lot of like my whole journey of 
me coming to New York was finding a place where I think I fit, fit in. Yeah, I was working as a cook in Minnesota, but there's also one, being like a cook and being a woman is like a rarity in a kitchen. Like you're always kind of like that weird outlier. And then in Minnesota, on top of that, I'm already this outlier being like a black woman in a kitchen. And it was a great thing to come to New York. And like Daisy said, I got to build this community of very different pe- people, like not just like black people of all colors, all everything. And mm. it just made me feel one, when I was in my outside community at home and like my friends and ships and relationships I had there, I felt more supported by that than if I was walking into a place where I wasn't necessarily just like the only one, which I often was not, which was great and like amazing to see. Um, I think I was, you're able to like handle that better because you have this like backing. I got also got, was very fortunate that um, out of my number of kitchens I worked in have also been very female strong, which is a very big rarity. And like, it's just, a, it doesn't happen where I worked at a number of restaurants where one, the female, the chef, head chef slash one of the owners was a woman. And there was therefore a lot more women working on the line. Like we would have nights when I was working at Calliope where it was like ladies night on Sunday because the entire line would just be like women. Oh, um, Dirk Candy, which I just left, is another big name restaurant that has led by a female chef and therefore it just happens that ends up being a lot of the staff comes for that reason because they're like it's great i want to work around other women and see each other like supported in a way and like being like hey we're going to challenge you the same way we're not like gonna like we just sort of have a different way of acting in the kitchen. Wait, wait, what does that just, mean? It's just a little different. It's like, you know, yeah. it's not, you're not having to try to get in on like the boys club and do boy things and be like, ha, 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 yeah, taking like dick jokes and shit and like whatever. You can just <laughs> yeah. be like, no, I don't have to do that to you to be for us. Oh, to, like, you mean locker room talk? Yeah, 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 <laughs> oh my God. yeah. You don't have to do any of okay. that. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like you said, when you can All have, right. see yourself reflected in your community mm-hmm. and the place where you're being forced to grow as an artist, it is it changes like how you like feel and how it didn't like your it confidence allows you to focus i would say too so because much. you're not worried and you're not you're not necessarily diverting so much of that attention that you would normally put into you know fitting things in. like that fitting in when you can like focus exclusively on the work that you do in your craft um i think is maybe where you were going with that yeah. too yeah i feel the same it's yeah. not um it's not this constant battle to be like the toughest or like, yeah, I'm a girl. You're constantly not. You're not having to constantly prove your prove. You're not having to prove but isn't your self, gender. Self imposed, like you know, you guys are putting that on yourselves. No one's coming up to you like, prove to me you're good. You're a woman. Like, no, that's no one's definitely doing that. But, the case. People but do. It's yeah, and it's not necessarily that they're gonna say yeah. they won't happen like that. But the instance when you're in a kitchen and every time you go to like lift something heavy or whatever, some dude always tries to do it for you. That's mm. like I'm not gonna lie. That pisses me the fuck off. Like when I especially. Like, it just happens. And guys are like, oh, no, I got it. No, you can't. I'm like, I'm like, I'm fine. I can carry a 50-pound bag of flour and a 25-pound bag of sugar across the kitchen. Mm-hmm. No. I don't need you to do this just because you think I'm a woman and I'm, like, not capable of that but, physical But, you know, that's chivalrous. That's, like, that's how we were raised as men. It's like, <laughs> let's help. It's-, it's, not, it's not to demean you or say that you can't do it, but it's like, no. oh, let me do this because I'm not doing so- anything right now, so let me help you. Well, yeah. that type of thing doesn't necessarily bother me, but I, I definitely know why that would bother you. Our personalities are a little bit different with that because I always, like, have my husband do all that stuff for me. I'm like, you mow the lawn, you take out the trash. But, um, <laughs> but for me, it's more of, like, um, I would say on less of a physical scale, but, like, more of, um, like, emotionally mentally like um inspiration wise i feel like i have a different energy when i'm with women and when i'm with black women like there's a different type of like creative energy that that i've found that has arisen um and not only just i wouldn't even say just with women or with black women but i think also like in just um brown communities um even when i have there's a lot of really great um Um, black and brown men in Minneapolis that I have great relationships with that we do a lot of creating together. Um, And they're all different dynamics. And I wouldn't necessarily say that I would love to exclusively work, you know, with people that are just like me, but it's definitely like, and I don't think you would either, but it's more so that like there is a different dynamic and there's a different type of like creative energy and a more also like a way that you just like naturally relax when you don't feel like you have to think about being on the defensive with certain things, I would say. Mm. I feel like I've been able to um, relax a little bit more um, mentally, emotionally in the community that I'm working with now. Um, I'm working on a really cool film series with a buddy of mine and and, um, 
well, a few buddies of mine, but a buddy of mine wrote this film series, um, basically in relation to how Prince passed and like these three girls growing up in Minneapolis after Prince died and like what that what Prince meant to them and like all these different things, and it's just this different energy that's really dope working with mostly like brown women. It's crazy. I've never like felt anything like it before. Hmm. Yeah. It's so dope. we need to, you know, separate men and women like in the old times. <laughs> no, not no, necessarily. No, no, no. It's just like more it's like it's cool to right. you know, it's cool it's it's cool to be able to experience things like that and to have um in the same way that I would say it's important to have like spaces that are dedicated to like people of color where you might have sometimes um, spaces that are dedicated to people of color where you may not want to have white folks around for um, so that you can have a certain way of like relaxing. It's in the same kind of way, I would say. Yeah. And not okay. to say that you it's... would exclusively want that all the time, but like to have an opportunity. It's yeah. different. So check this out. You guys seem to be very intelligent and uh, have strong family backgrounds. Yeah. yeah. So I want to know, did your parents give you any like words of wis- wisdom that you now live by? And if so, I only want two of them. Oh Don't God. go down two, the whole list. Like two, like two, two words, things that your parents like, told you that like affects you damn, now today. And you're oh like, God. you know what? I like, you know, I still follow those guidelines and, and it like really keys into the success you've had so far. I would say like definitely hard, like hard work and perseverance um, and like not quitting, I guess. And I guess that's like all kind of the same thing. But my mother is an immigrant and she's she's a Chilean national and she's now, you know, American. But and then my dad's from Mississippi. Um, Me too. Dope, dude. Jackson. Canton. Oh, that's right down the yeah. street. Yeah. And then my dad came up for high school and that's where our dads mm-hmm. went to high school together. Um, but yeah, like, you know, both of my parents had very, very humble backgrounds. Um, we grew up, you know going to savers out of necessity and now I go because like thrifting is cool but like back in the day <laughs> it was like you know it was, it was it was we just didn't have money my dad you know worked super hard my mom worked super hard they were able to establish something um for me and my brother and for themselves too but definitely like I think just hard work and um and especially with being a creative like the understanding that um, in, there's there's no such thing as like instant gratification and you have to be able to um, put in work for what you want and I think mm-hmm. that's like the biggest thing that my parents left me with is that um, you know just the hustle man I would say yeah I'd say there's there's the whole bit about the hustle that kind of flows a lot into I've like I said I recently kind of changed up what I'm doing and I've had a lot of recent very conversations with my dad especially over like the course of the last couple of years of things have gone on with my job mm. and they're always people who I like come back to and talk and I'm like so what's going on I'm like well uh. but they've always just I think they've always told me that I have the skills within me to do kind of anything like it's there like no matter what they're like you've got this like you know you should you should just don't hold yourself back I think was mm. also a really big thing that was told to me was that I like you know, I know I own personal kind of faults and things. Like, I kind of tended to be, like, uh, like shorts, like shorting myself a little bit. My dad's like, no, you know what you're doing. Just go out there and show it. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you don't know it and you don't have the skills because it's there. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, in a way, they've also given me a lot of flexibility. Like, though my parents, like, as growing up, they were always kind about, like, you know, you know, make sure you're getting great in school, this and this. And at the time, they seemed much more tough and strict on me, like, following these lines. And I think mm-hmm. now, as I've gotten older and we talk about things... I think it was a way of preparing me to be like, you have, you can now choose. Like you were set, I was set up to be able to choose right. and follow my own course. And whether it be sort of, I don't know, different and off like the path of how everyone tells me to go, it's cool. Mm-hmm. And my dad's like one of those people to like talk to him recently who's like, I looked up, I did the same thing except for I was like 45 years old with two kids. And I'm like, why am I going to go and leave this job that I was working at? And it seems like I should be doing this. And he talks to me, my dad, parents are both very spiritual people, and he's like, he's like, no, I said I don't pray, and I was like, God, but like, what am I doing? And I should just, shouldn't I have this? I'm worried about what next thing is going to, how am I going to be able to take this step and go here? And if I should get my MBA, and I want to do this, and how do I do that? He's like, all I just had to say was like, just ask, and just, it'll be there. There will be a way. Mm-hmm. If that's what you need to do to like, be happy, and like, follow your heart and your art, then that's what you need to do. 
you know, this is kind of a sensitive uh, topic, but do you guys consider yourselves feminists? I played the fifth. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that I do. Why? Um, Because I think that people, a lot of people misunderstand feminism and misunderstand the goal of feminism. And a feminist is really just anybody who believes that like men and women and people who may identify as, you know, anything else really all deserve the opportunity to be treated and live life equally. Yeah. Except for taking out the trash. Except for taking out the trash. (laughs) I stand by that a hundred percent. And mowing the lawn. Um, but you know, that being said, if I was, if if I was a single gal, I would have no problem doing that. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have a choice. I wouldn't have a choice. I'd have to do it. But um, this is true. I'm now I'm thinking about how there's all the recycling I got to take out in the morning before I leave the house because I messed up. It doesn't change. Um, But I think that really what it is is just, um, you know, there. I think people just really just misunderstand the notion of feminism. Think that women want, you know, more than men and feminism. It's just like you know, women in power suits that like. Stomping around I, and being like, man, 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 suck. Yeah, but I think like, they put into like a sort men. of being like a men hating thing, and I'm like, it's yeah. not about that at all it's because not. that that wouldn't mean equality. That means someone is being put down. That yeah. does no good for anyone at that yeah. point. Well, it seems like sometimes men need it to some the thing that the issue to be about them when it's not about them. Yeah, it's, so it's not like, about oh, them at actually all. Actually, yeah. isn't about us. You know, Quite so true. it's like it's not you know, about you. Yeah, that's how I feel. At least it's not yeah. about us, so it's not threatening. Yeah. You know what I mean? And everybody should feel and be treated equally. Yeah. No matter mm-hmm. what. You know what I mean? Yeah, it feels I feel you. I think that within feminism there's a certain power empowerment for everyone, no matter what gender you are. Mm-hmm. Like we all came from women. Like we have mothers, we have daughters, sisters, <laughs> sister friends. Like I, I don't understand how you can live your life and have women in your life and not be a feminist. Yeah. Feminist. Yeah. A, like and as a man, as like it's men, like this does better for you. Like, hey, if we are all equally treated, the world would just it could change itself. Mm-hmm. And also, men, I think too, just playing off that even further, um, you know, there are so many standards and expectations that we put on men as well mm-hmm. um, that are sometimes very damaging. Um, in the same way that like it can be really damaging, you know, for women. But I think a lot of times, too, we put all these expectations on men and, like, what it means to be a man and what it means to be masculine and, yeah. like, what a real man is. And that's kind of the – it's a it's a different side of the same coin mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, why do you guys think that black women are more successful in university than black men? Hmm. Gosh, what are you doing that we're not doing? You know, what's the problem? I think, honestly, I feel like I'm not sure if it's a specific thing that we are doing. I think it's a lot of things. And I, and I think are not doing it's. Yeah, it is a lot of things. Because it is it is very interesting when you look back at anything. Anyone like I know for sure. When mm-hmm. you look back at your classroom dynamics, uh, who, who was there when you were looking at the students of color, there was the majority mm-hmm. like. With women of color and like why is that what is happening where are there's a gap somewhere something is being missed mm-hmm. i think in translation in mm-hmm. our care of young black men and how they are like allowed to get to that like what is going mm-hmm. on um because it's not just it's 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 it's, it's not even getting it's there it's getting even once there, and then even, it's once you're there and it's like yeah i feel like there's i feel like there's a lot of issues and honestly i don't know that i could really put my finger on it but um, I know that, like, when I'm thinking about a lot of the guys that I knew in college, um, and this is specific to, like, also being at, like, a Big Ten university, um, and, and just the crew I was rolling with. I was rolling with a lot of athletes, um, and um, a lot of the guys that I knew were pursued by the university specifically for their athletic skill, mm-hmm. the black guys that I knew. And they definitely weren't um, valued or treated, you know, in a way where their their education mattered. And I felt like that was super duper messed up. Um, I saw a lot of them get pushed into certain majors just because it was like 
easy and 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 then there were definitely many that decided to pursue other things but it was always like man it was like they were treated like workhorses yeah and and i felt like that was ooh, it it just made me feel so i feel like that's a lot of what i saw coming out of high school from like edina like where we where i went to school i went to a different high school but the school i went to was majority majority white like there were you knew every black person because there were only maybe Mm -hmm. 15 of us okay um but like seeing that was like the same thing it was like people were just kind of like automatically put onto like this path it was like oh no we're gonna just push you to this easier thing my parents even experienced it with me as like a child like them wanting to put me into like more advanced class. They're like, oh no, we can't put her there just because they, they don't know anything, despite the fact that they like have my grades from previous schools and can test me and see what she's doing. But we're like, oh, so that's mm-hmm. what you're about. Yeah. And it's like that same thing. I didn't see it as much. Lowering of expectations is mm-hmm. what it is. I feel like it's part of it. I wouldn't say say that's all of it, but I would say it's a lowering of expectations and it's 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 in this I feel like for specifically to the very specific <laughs> Um, and I'm, I'm talking very specifically, I think about black athletes, because I feel like that's a big part of like what universities, you know, they're like, we want more diversity. So let you know, we'll get some brown people in on the team. But I think that like the way that, that those students in particular were treated, just speaking to my own experience and the friends that I had, um, it was definitely like, they were just, they were really just being used by the university to like bump up their creds of like you know we have a lot of black people we're winning games or this and this and that and they if there were things that were going to be more challenging to them um even if that's something that they wanted to do and they wanted to be challenged it was like discouraged or or it was um because they had to have certain grades to play or this and this and that or you i, I don't know I, I it was really yuck and then there's also the fraternities and sororities and i think that there's a lot of community that's built with that but i think also there's a whole that misses out on the entire tradition and what like i feel like for me so one thing i Mm -hmm. saw a lot of like you're about to talk about i think is community within universities Mm -hmm. and there were a lot for when you saw like like black people or people of any color like it was those groups that were there to support you were like your fraternities and sororities Mm -hmm. and i think outside of that or outside of being an athlete there weren't many other like groups to be like, hey, here are some other people to be like, we are as a community going to encourage each other to go further, to get beyond these like goals and lines that people are setting in mm-hmm. front of us of this like not higher standard that we should be able to do any of these things and whatever it is you want, mm-hmm. not just fit into this one little box. And I would say I had a different experience than that just because I was at the U, which is a very it's a it's such a, a large school. university that even so even though like it was a small percentage of folks that were black it was still a ton of people because it's such, yeah. just such a big school and so we had like the black student union we had black motivated women we had la raza for a lot of hispanic people and there was a lot of afro-latino people and then there was you know a ton of other groups for for other folks but um so i felt like i had a different experience but i still definitely saw like there was there's still just this um yeah, I, I don't know. It's there's just still a gap. A gap, and I think that there's a difference in the way that black men are treated within the system, within the system, and right. within the university for sure. Definitely within like class, like and the school I went to was like overall very widely diverse, and it was a small school. Johnson Wells, when you were in classes, I went to school with basically the same people all four years. Like I saw the same faces, but you can even tell in the dynamics of classrooms as to how people mm-hmm. were treated and like who you saw in your class. Once we got past like our like associate's degrees and whatever and you're like well who is now into like the four-year programs where you have to apply to get in and something you're like but well, where did people go like mm. who got like who's like oh i didn't make it into this class because like no one talked to you because maybe your mentors who are the people who are supposed to be your mentors i don't think maybe not like actively racist but like they don't know how to approach people who are different than them mm-hmm. and how to be like i'm gonna form these relationships with these students and sort of cross that barrier which i think maybe that is so the gap that's being like missed the, the absence of black teachers black male teachers and black male mentors role models is one of the reasons why they you know they tend that's i think that's that's a possible one Hmm. that's a possible one but i think we can't look at it as being just responsibility of there to be black teachers in the schools yes that needs to be something that happened needs to happen but i think there's a problem if we're looking at so there aren't black teachers so what are these other teachers doing mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. are they missing that just because they are of a different race that they're not able to then support these students in that same way mm-hmm. like okay. it's like to say it's like we can't like we're trying to like kind of dance around the word right now of 
we have to realize there is something racially motivated in here that yeah these teachers maybe they're intimidated by this idea of the black man and they like don't know how to handle and talk to students or whatever it is they see and that's why people aren't reached because no one's like they're just scared to cross that line and be like well hey that's an interesting point i mean for me i i had a white mentor and i also had black mentors you know so it's hard for me to relate with that but i'm not saying it's not true but i can see that 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 for sure happening now i had a very interesting conversation with a friend of mine and he said uh (laughs) he said it was the responsibility of the black woman to raise up the black man i think that's false could you hear my eye roll (laughs) (laughs) now i think it's the responsibility of the black man to raise himself up because the black woman has seems to have she raised herself up you know what i mean and she like for instance like my grandmother she got divorced with nine kids went to college finished and started teaching i mean that's some bad shit yeah you know what i mean if if my grandmother can do that way back then then what's wrong with these motherfuckers out here today well i would say what what i would say too is i feel like they're um i feel like we have collectively as a society lowered our expectations of black men in 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 many different ways and i feel like when you lower your expectations um there's a few different things that can happen with people and there can be situations where like you lower your expectations and somebody's like you know well i'm gonna prove you wrong and they can like go out there and they can knock it out of the park and then there can be situations where people are like well you know like these expectations are lowered and i'm you know I don't know. I'm not gonna. You know, it, it can. I feel like people can can react in different ways. Now, I don't feel that. I know plenty of people, um, men, women, otherwise, that have transcended expectations. I think about my dad, and I think about how he was somebody who, you know, and I actually think about a lot of the people and black men that I know that have faced incredible challenges and I don't think it's as simple as somebody just you know raising them up by their own bootstraps because I actually don't believe in that for most people I think that there's always this kind of concept in America of like you know we should all be able to like help ourselves in our own thing and I do feel that it's all of our job as a community to always like help and bring up more people and like bring up the next generation yeah but at the same time that I think that when we collectively like lower our expectations of people like that does something to a person's like psyche that does something to people um and i think it depends on how much that's happened i think it depends on what the circumstances is with each person i think there's never going to be like a blanket like thing that you can say of this is the reason this you know pointing to any one thing but i definitely think that there's a problem when you start looking at um you know black men as a whole and saying you know why are these guys like what's wrong with them why haven't they done it because i think that you know when we raise our expectations of them as a whole of black men of black women of black children of whatever i think that we're gonna see crazy amazing things happen when we start expecting that of people of individuals and i think that it's hard because how do you implement that? I wouldn't know where to begin. But I think the the first thing has to start is like with the expectations. And I think that goes back to just what I saw when I was in school of just like having really low expectations for people in certain areas. And you would see some people like be like, yo, like, you know, I'm going to like that didn't affect. There was many people that didn't affect them, but then there was many people who that that did affect them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. I can understand what you're just saying about like the psyche in a certain way of it's very interesting now to look back at like struggles I think I dealt with as a child growing up in a very like predominantly white community that I didn't necessarily the time I remember my dad and like my mom saying these things to me and being like, you know, you have to be better than them all like every time and why? And things I didn't notice till like later that I'm like, this actually does as a child very much so affect you when you're like, This teacher is obviously not pushing me mm-hmm. as a very like I was not bragging or anything, but, like, I was a very bright child, and I knew what I could get away with and how well, like, I'm like, it doesn't take me that much work. And these teachers who were like, oh, no, she's just doing so good. She's just, she's doing so good for, like, what she is. We're so surprised. And it's, like, these lowered expectations that, like, 
I think in a certain way to contribute to certain habits I may have or like mm. how I think I saw myself and like it's just kind of an interesting weird sort of reflection to notice like that is what you're saying like expectations that we're setting for people aren't like they aren't the same if it's like if we're looking at you're saying about feminism even it's like we're just creating an equal playing field we should all be held to the same level of accountability mm. which I guess in a way is almost agreeing with you we should be able to pull each other up you should pull yourself up by the bootstrap so why can't they get it together if women can get it together and I think and also- I think the problem with that is no, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, you won't. Um, <laughs> I think that problem with that sentence is like there's a good part of it and then there's like a bad part. Everyone thinks this whole pulling yourself so that your bootstraps is automatically like kind of a like rude thing to say, well, why aren't you getting yourself well, you're together? you're assuming that people already are on the same playing field. Exactly. And people are not. And I think that's yeah. something also that needs to be acknowledged is that like... I don't like the fact that it ignores the importance of the community. Like mm-hmm. it, you're taking accountability out of of like maybe people need someone else in their lives. Like I'm sure your grandmother had other people in her life who were like, here, I'm going to encourage you. Whether that be like, you know, just aunts, cousins, family, your, your neighbor next kids door. While you go to class. Yeah, like the church. Like right, for sure. These things are there. And we kind of, I think we tend to ignore that. And I think when we're approaching the problem of like, let's say like why are young, like why are black men not, performing and doing as well in the university system as black women, I think that's why we're ignoring two parts of it. It's like she said, we can't just say it's like one thing. It's just two parts of these expectations are not being set correctly or like applied. And then we're not creating a community or a support system. Right. I think it's, it's both. It's, it's both you, things. Oh my God, you're right. It's, it's both. It's you have to have, we have to have a better um, support system. And we also have to have higher expectations for people. And I think also you can't have the, that doesn't mean that you have to have the same expectations because, you know, there are differences in communities and in things, what's important to people in different communities and just things that matter to different people. Yeah. And you have to acknowledge those differences, but that doesn't mean that you should expect less. Less. And I think by less, you shouldn't expect a lack of achievement is yes. what it is. We should always expect a high level of achievement. Maybe that means that okay, so you start off the and year where reading in different you reading it like a C, right? Those things is yeah. what it is. Is that different people might need different kinds of support to achieve the same thing, and it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody can't achieve something. It just means that there may be different kinds of support than what you're used to giving. And I think that that's what's lacking is a different understanding of maybe different types of support that might need to be given for different communities. And then also having just, like you said, high expectations of achievement and like believing in people, really. That's cool. Like community is important, right? So what do you guys do to give back to your community? Like, are you involved in any projects or or any other things? Heck yeah. Okay, let's hear about it. Um, So I, you know, again, I'm living in Minneapolis and... I don't, I, for me, so as an artist, I definitely like, you know, sell my work and I, you know, do stuff trying to try to make a little money. But, um, but I also like working on creative projects that I believe in and that, that I feel will be either fun for me to work on, um, or that I feel like will help inspire people or move people. And so right now I'm currently working with Free Black Dirt, which is a little collective, um, through, a couple friends of mine who um, do a lot of, you know, writing and theater and, and things like that. And so th- there's a pretty dope little, like, artistic, musical, theatrical community in, in, in Minneapolis. A lot of us um, that do different things, um, but who right now, what what we're currently working on, which I was so sad that I missed the first day of shooting was, was yesterday, but I had to come up here for work. But... Um, basically um this really this commemorative kind of like film series um about prince and like what he meant for people in minneapolis and about what it means to be like a weird black kid and like where and like fitting in and like all the different things that it means to be black and brown and and mixed and the different kind you know diasporic and like all the different kinds of like beautiful people and and different kind of ways that that blackness can express itself um and really i mean honoring prince because you know we're super you know minneapolis out here but also um 
just what 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 he meant really to the world and to people who didn't feel brown people who felt like they didn't really like fit in anywhere um who felt like they were different who and what what prince inspired with them so that's a project that i'm working on right now that's like you know both free and for love <laughs> you know for love of it and um that's and great. it was something that it was with some people that really inspired me that i think do really good stuff that's amazing yeah I think kind of one of the things right now I'm sort of, I think is part of what I'm trying to find again while working in the restaurant industry, especially in New York, it can kind of be very isolating. You get caught up in sort of this whole, I don't know, like almost very media driven, like hype thing. And I think I'm trying to get back to a place. I've definitely worked at a couple of restaurants where I really felt that we as a team were doing something with food that was imaginative and creative. And like, I think affecting like the food community of like, for like, going and creating those relationships with like farmers and chefs when I was at Contrada like it was just like an amazing feeling every day oh god okay here comes the guy with our pigs every day and like sort of feeling those connections to the people and to where my food's coming from and (laughs) I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to getting more back to right now um as far as other things I do do is I always try and support a lot of my friends are like artists outside of my own study so I think that's been the great thing about coming to New York like I've also been able to really form this great just crew of people who do all sorts of things and I'm always out to be like okay hey so so and so maybe needs me to make some cookies for this event that they're doing or like my sister doesn't like a theater company I'm like okay yeah I can volunteer and like sit here at a table one day okay maybe (laughs) yeah if you really need me to yeah I can be the one to hold down the grill this night it's fine I can Mm -hmm. make it happen and just I think there's all these like little things of supporting the people who I think I have around me who are I think doing much more for the community at whole than what I maybe am currently in my life. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, community is like really important, especially for us brown people. We need to like support each other. So, do you have something to say? Oh, I just said hashtag community. Oh, hashtag. So for you, everybody can't see <laughs> oh, yeah, you know this, this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> you may have to say hashtag. You might have to say it, but some some of my listeners, you know, <laughs> but you know, it's on YouTube too. So, but um, anyway. What have you learned from creating? You know what I mean? Like, have have you been influenced? Like, you know, have you had any, like, life-changing experiences from creating? And if so, like, what is that? And, and how does it make you feel? Oh, man. Yes, I think that definitely, like, because more than more than anything in terms of, like, my art, I would identify myself specifically as within the realm of like visual art, I would say that I am a painter and I feel like I had this, I had this professor David Feinberg in, in college that really like, um, it was a dimensional painting class and the dimensional painting was all about like painting on basically on three dimensional surfaces and like Mm -hmm. challenging, like your view basically like challenging your views on kind of painting as like a 2d art form and like and i still do a lot of two-dimensional paintings just because a lot of people want to buy two-dimensional paintings but um it really challenged me in and and it kind of opened my eyes to something in terms of like limitations um for myself and kind of just all these limitations that we might see and not even realize that we're seeing it and that we're placing these limitations on ourselves. um and so I feel like that helped me and it's not something that I could say that I can like put my finger on like all these specific things, but I think it really freed my mind in a way that I didn't expect it to where I was like, it was, it was weird that it really like blew my mind so much that I was like, you know, we're painting on tables and we were building structures and painting on them. And I was doing all this, you know, this, I was working on this, um, voice division, um, project that he does every year with like survivors of, um, genocide and Holocaust where we, we would help uh, when I did this um, internship with him where we would, we would translate these stories of people into visual art and visual pieces. And just, it made me think about art in a different way. And it therefore made me think about life in a different way and the purpose of art and like the purpose and how you can create anything. And it, and it wasn't just about like creating art. It was about like creating anything in life. I feel like it kind of just opened up my mind in a way. So that was pretty cool. I guess to answer your question, yeah. Uh, I think for me, um, one thing I've recently, well, not recently, I just kind of always thought is that for me, cooking is like a form of meditation. So um, it's always kind of been that thing that I do to kind of bring myself to a center to maybe, which in then terms brings me to like certain 
revelations about my own life. And like, even the point of where I figured out that I was going to want it to be a chef was I was literally in the kitchen. I think I was in like sixth grade. I was making something, a pot pie, <laughs> something I decided I was baking that day. I was making for dinner and I just suddenly was in this, like I was in the process of like taking something out of the oven. And I was just like, wait, this is something that, this is a job. I had for so long decided that I didn't want to grow up because I was like, well, that sounds horrible. Mm. And I'm like, well, if I do, I'm going to have to figure out something. And it was right. just, it just came to me. It was like, oh. And even now, I, I think it's now come a step further where I'm able to put into words, like this is this act of meditation. It brings me back to like, I'm not necessarily when I'm cooking, always being like super creative, but it gives me a space to kind of work out my world and how I see things. Um, recently, it's, I understand that when I'm not cooking, it's like I'm not practicing. Like people talk about practicing yoga and meditation. It means I'm not in my practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not thinking about my life, about my choices, about what I'm learning. I'm not processing, I think, if I'm not actually cooking and taking that time to do that. Wow, and that's, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting to realize that those are two different things for me. Like I can be at work and I'm working. Working is a very different thing. It's a sort of forms emotions that I sometimes I'm just like doing and I'm like, just I got to get through things. But the act of really cooking and just, going through the steps and measures of like when I'm in my kitchen and I am like deciding what order I'm going to put things into a pot and pan, things come to me. Like the other thing that recently came to me was as I'm trying to look for what my next jobs are going to be, what my next choices are is I need to fill in gaps. I was making fried rice and I realized that there are gaps that I, yeah, I've seen how to make fried rice in specific t- like tips. And I had some of the things I'm like, wait, there are orders and there's a better way to do this. And I can't, I'm putting this egg in here, but I'm like, no, I didn't do this quite the way. And I'm like, Oh, that's because I have a gap in my knowledge, which then applies to so many things across my own like artistic chef journey is that there are gaps that I need to go fill in. So maybe mm-hmm. that's something I really need to focus on. And I think that's sort of, I guess, the one like sort of way creating has like changed and shaped my life. It's like not one way. It's just a constant way of yeah. how I live. Mm-hmm. That's great. So if you had advice for, for, you know, some young women coming up in your respective fields, like one or two things you could tell them that they absolutely must always do in order to be a successful human being. What would that be? So much pressure. Oh, it's like all things, not just a human being. Hey girl. (laughs) Um, my advice for you would be to Really, um, I think one thing that that was really, I think, important for me was to always be learning and taking things in and to never be so set in your ways and your style that you're not willing to learn something new. Um, I think that as a as a creative person, it's so important to have your own voice and your own something that sets you apart but I think it's also super important to always evolve constantly be evolving constantly be learning constantly be adding new things and that's not to say that you can't still um you know have that thing that makes you you but I think when we stop learning and we stop changing and we stop evolving like that's when we die as artists Mm -hmm. um as creatives and I think that that's something where I died a little bit I died a few times Mm -hmm. um and I've revived that have come back but i think that um that there are definitely is it's so important um to always be learning and stretching yourself yeah i think on that same sort of strand as you talked about like this whole always learning and moment where you like you kind of die a little bit like i think um for me for what i would say is um don't don't be afraid that you're never going to lose that thing that you love because you tried it. Like, mm-hmm. um, just, it's almost one of I'm not going to say just do it because that's just lame. But you just, <laughs> if you love something and it's really what you want, just take the time and go after it. Don't settle. Like, never settle. Just never. Just say that it may hurt a lot more and it's going to be a lot scarier than doing that thing that you're like, oh, well, I'm kind of good at this. Um, I, I do like it, but if it's that thing you love, always pursue that. Pursue that first and foremost, and I think everything else in it will work out right. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey 
had a really good quote for this that I, that, <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that I thought was very it. inspirational. <laughs> okay. Is uh, he said something about basically like you could fail at anything and people are miserable every day doing things mm-hmm. that they hate. Um, and it's like you might as well try that thing that you love. And, you know, even if it's if it's not doesn't come out exactly as how you thought it would, even if it, you know, it's so much better so to much. like if if you're gonna fail at anything, fail at the thing that you love. Like yeah. people are failing every day at things they only kind of mediocre like absolutely hate or mediocre like. But mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes things they absolutely hate. Um, so it's like, man, give it a give it a shot. Yeah. Do you give your gift room to change? You know, like for me personally, like you know, like over time, music, the meaning. And the importance of music in my life has changed based on my life experiences, you know, like being divorced or, you know, like I've been through a lot of shit and like mm-hmm. it just now it's music where it was my God. Now it isn't because I have a different perspective on life. Have you noticed that that has happened for you also? I would completely agree with that. Just given my current circumstances, um, it takes a lot to admit that the thing that you loved and put so highly as your God and almost, uh, could be viewed differently. It could hold a different place, a different space, it could, a different form um, than what you first imagined. And it is important to allow that space because I think right now I am allowing the space for myself to imagine my life differently, but also I think imagine my life bigger than what it could be. And I think without that, it's like Daisy said, you're not allowing yourself, imagining yourself that space to be bigger and different and change in a different form, you're going to stop growing. Mm-hmm. And then what else do you have? Like you're not creating anymore at that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I just think that is very, very important to allow yourself that space to change. Um, I've been struggling a lot with that in the last year about being like, maybe I just need to make a different choice. I don't have to do this in this way that was put before me. And maybe me being a pastry chef was just the beginning of something. Yeah. It's not always just mm-hmm. this like, there's no end. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I would say the same as that. I always kind of was like, when I was growing up, I was like, man, you know, um, I, 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 for a while, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a famous artist and I'm going to be like Picasso and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and for me, it's become definitely more, I'm very selective on the projects that I take on. Um, and if there's something that I don't want to do, I don't do it. And for a while, I was like, you know, I have to do everything that comes across, you know, to me. And my mom, you know, was always like, you got to, you know, if you want to make money, you got to do commissions, you got to do that, and you got to do this and that. And she was very encouraging, but it was like, really like, you know, hey, like, this is something that you got to do. If you want to be an artist, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I realized, like, that's not the kind of artist that I want to be. I want to, I want to make things that I like, and I don't want to make things that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And if I get paid for it, great and there are a lot of things that I do get paid to do and if I don't get paid for it um and it's something that I still like and it's something that I feel good about and it's something that I feel like um you know builds my community then I'm gonna do it um and I think a lot of the work that I make that I like the best is like for me like Mm -hmm. a lot of the work Mm -hmm. that I make there's very little work that I that I um, have made for somebody else that's been something that I've been like, I love this. So now even when I do um, commissions, I always make sure that I can maintain that that control. And I never do anything just for the money anymore. Um, and, and if I don't make another dime off my art ever again, like I, I would be okay with that if I could just do it for myself. Wow. You know, and I think that's really important as a creative person is to not get too caught up in like, you know, uh, what you think that you have to do to be accepted by other people, definitely still challenge yourself, still grow. You can still be a creative person and make money. I think we're both, you know, testaments to that, that we have been able to um, survive professionally, you know, yeah, do do these things that we love to do. But I think when you get too caught up in that, um, I know for me that that was definitely a changing point when I realized, like, oh, like, I'm not going to be selling paintings for thousands of dollars because I'll be, at least not right now, I'll be miserable because I'll be making stuff that I don't like. People wanted to pay me to do things, and I was like, oh, like, freaking It's like the choice for me right now to go and work at, I could go Mm -hmm. work at a place and, you know, a bigger, probably more, a really established, like, restaurant or a restaurant group. Those places, I think, as a 
chef, that's like the hard decision you're looking at is that if maybe I really want to focus and try it and do like something completely on the outside, like there are so many small restaurants, but there's how do I like pay my bills? Like how do I get health insurance? All these other things that you're like looking at these big groups and you can go in there. I could be a patient chef, make 60, $75,000. Like, yeah, great. I only have this like easy work week and this stuff, but am I truly going to be happy doing that? Um, it's this constant thing of like right now when I'm like looking at jobs and what do I really want out of place? What do I value now? Prioritizing basically. Prioritizing. And it's like, you know, I've like learned I can live, I can live on a little less, but I can't live without like loving what I'm doing in the day. Like I can't do that. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to my next question. What are you most thankful for? I would definitely say I'm I'm most thankful for um, the people in my life that I think support, like, me and what I do. Um, And, like, the people that, like, buy work from me that are, like, diehard fans. Um, My family, um, both my, you know, biological, you know, family that raised me and then my in-laws and then my friends that are my family like dude like freaking go hard for me um my friends will like you know help me at my pop-up shops and my husband like talking he's like yeah you know like this piece was inspired by da 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 like it's Mm -hmm. limited edition and like (laughs) you know hustling for me and you know sharing my stuff and um fam out out um all over that are that are you know, reposting and like, you know, sharing my work and like, um, and, and I think that that for me is really what motivates me is like when I know that like, I have people that are like going hard for me. I'm like, how can I not go hard for, for myself? How can I not, you know, go hard for them and support them and not only what they do, but also like to continue to pursue this when I know that this is something that like they support me on. So I'd say I'm just grateful for that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I agree with that. I also like, Obviously, it's just like, well, my friends, my family. But I think part of a lot of what I see is just like the inspiration that comes from my friends and family, which like, like it keeps me in awe, I think, mm-hmm. like constantly. Like I'm like, I'm in awe of Daisy. I'm in awe of like Darian and like all of like these people who have just, I think maybe it's like just happens that I've managed to come into my life and just be like, just this form of inspiration of watching people who are down about achieving their dreams and going after what they want. It's, I'm in awe of my parents, my dad who's like about almost 60 and is like well i just like love my job because i'm gonna go pursue like opening like a grocery store chain that's about addressing like food deserts because here i've never opened a random grocery store but i believe in this thing and just that's great. being in like all like that all and having that in my life that inspiration i think that's something that i'm constantly mm-hmm. every day i think i like look around at things and people and i'm just that's just a general feeling of thankfulness for me true when you that. see somebody else like sacrifice just, and like go it like is so inspiring and it's like yeah. yeah it's just it's just amazing and then like when you see your friends like in their element and i'm like it's just it's doing that thing yeah mm-hmm. i don't know i got to a friend's like art show the other week and i was just like i'm like so this is what it's like in your life look at you <laughs> like you're just you're like this form of like magic and like i don't having that like sense of magic and wonder in my life is something i'm very thankful for wow yeah, i want to yeah, you go. Give us some love here, for you guys who can't see it. They're hugging. It's no. real nice. My friends were my family. <laughs> I gave Alicia her first set of dinnerware when we were in high school. Yeah, my 16th birthday. Because I needed like, some bowls and fancy chopsticks. Yeah, you know, Placemats. I like to think I started it all, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I want to thank you guys for coming over today. This is the Working Artist Project. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. It was the bomb. It was fun. Later. <laughs> <laughs>